0: Last week we delved into the meaning of the number 666. We have another number. This week we celebrate the milestone of the number 100 because you right now you are listening to the 100th episode of this podcast. Oh, how spontaneous and unexpected. Thank you. All right. You're you're too much. Thank you. Now, perhaps oddly, or maybe typically, depending on your perspective, in this episode, we start with a quote by, well, an atheist, and a pretty strident one at that. Then I tell you what arrogant Christians, drunks, and outspoken atheists, oh, and my vacation time all have in common, all on the way to answering the question why don't we quote more of Karl Marx? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. The quote for today, well, it certainly has to be among Karl Marx's most famous quotes, and at least, well, as far as I'm concerned, it is his most famous one. It is, of course, religion is the opiate of the masses. At least, that's what I heard when it was quoted the first time to me in school. The actual quote's not the opiate of the masses, but opium of the people. And truth be told, that really doesn't change the meaning very much, does it? When my wife and I go on vacation, I will often carefully conceal my vocation. Why? Well, three groups, really. Arrogant Christians, drunks, and atheists. All three are excited to find out that I'm a minister and then prove something to me. The arrogant Christians, they're actually my least favorite of these groups because the conversations I have with them aren't conversations at all. They are an attempt to prove their spiritual superiority, which is just tiresome to be around. The drunks are often trying to prove something that they just thought of, like the idea that Christianity, neutron stars, and maybe, I don't know, jello are all alike spiritually. Normally, the premise is far more interesting than the actual conversation and explanation. Interestingly, the drunk theologizers have always been men. No exceptions. Then finally, there are the non-believers who want to prove me wrong. Now, I should say that sometimes conversations with non-believers are really very interesting, because they have genuine questions. They aren't looking to convert me or be converted by me, just looking to learn something that they don't know. But occasionally, I come across the anti-religion atheists. They're not just non-believers, but they are actively in opposition to religion and faith. These people often quote today's selection of Marx, and when they do, they feel that they've said something so irrefutable that they have just had the ultimate theological drop-the-mic moment in this debate. The problem with this quote is that when it's quoted to me as a refutation of my belief system, the person who quotes it means it as a statement of undeniable fact, not as an expression of someone's opinion. And therein lies the problem, right? It's hard to have a productive conversation between two people when one person understands something as fact and the other understands the very same thing to be, well, a matter of opinion. Look, I will agree that religion has at times been used by the wealthy, by the powerful to control and pacify those who are not privileged within a society. So the question for me is not one of, has religion ever been caught making a mistake and is therefore eternally judged as being bad? Because if that's the standard for judgment, well, religion is not going to be the only entity, the only thing in existence to be judged. So is friendship, motherhood, education, any and all forms of government, and a lot of other things. Each of those have plenty of flawed examples, but enough good examples that we continue to see them as valuable. So if we're going to judge by failure, which is fair, if that's what we're going to do, we should at least equally take into account successes. So are there occasions when the opposite of what Marx seems to be talking about, are there occasions when the opposite of that quote is true? Are there occasions in which religion and faith become the motivator for good, for social and political change within an unjust society? Though I have acknowledged the faults of religion at times in history, I'm also encouraged when I look to Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Jr., who were people who were motivated by their faith and used it in powerful ways towards social change for the benefit of the oppressed. And let's check in with the words of Nelson Mandela. In his autobiographical book, The Long Walk to Freedom, Mandela wrote of his awareness of Christianity as a young man and its social impact in South Africa. And he had something positive to say about it. This is what he said. The church was as concerned with this world as the next. I saw that virtually all the achievements of Africans seem to have come about through the missionary work of the church. Look, if you love this quote by Karl Marx, then i could quote a thousand religious people on the side of social transformation and you likely will be unstirred and if you on the other hand are already a person of faith and you hear this famous quote of marx you're equally unstirred and quick to move along because well because there's nothing new here for you so my goal today in quoting marx is not to change the dynamic of this type of conversation It's actually simply to add some new information that I discovered recently and found to be really interesting. By the way, when I say I discovered, I really mean I became aware of it, not that I was the first one to find it. Okay, so I told you that I learned the quote incorrectly. Maybe you knew the actual quote better than I did, or perhaps not. But here's the really interesting part for me I didn't give you the actual quote. The quote, as you will likely find it on the internet and in many places, here's the quote you've probably heard before. Religion is the opium of the people, which is almost correct, but still not fully accurate. You see, the word religion never occurs in the actual quote. The actual quote is, it is the opium of of the people. That's the sentence. Not religion is the opium of the people, just it is the opium of the people. Oh, so that is breaking news. So obviously you're going to reveal that the sentence was never even about religion. We've had it wrong all this time. Is that it? Well, no, sorry to disappoint you. It's absolutely still about religion. But when I saw that it has a pronoun rather than the word religion, it caused me to realize that there's more to this. If the pronoun it is being used, then obviously it refers to something that we never hear about when this famous quote is cited. So the title, the question for this episode of the podcast, is intended to playfully mask the intent. Today's episode is not asking the question why we don't quote more various quotes by Marx. But instead, why don't we give the full context of this one quote when we cite it, why don't we quote more of it? So, to that end, here is the fuller quote Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. Now, here's a quote that offers a great deal more to the context. I'm particularly drawn to that first phrase of this quote, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature. I hear this part of the quote, and I'm reminded of the poem entitled The Colossus. And if you don't know that poem, you're fine. You've heard the words of it, even if you don't know the name. You may more likely be able to recognize it as the words on the Statue of Liberty. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. I love those words, and they always stir me deeply. But we can also turn other places for similar words. We can turn to similar words from the Bible, Isaiah chapter 61 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. Now, if you are a red-letter Bible-totem believer of the Christian variety, you may well say, well, Dan, those are nice quotes that you just read to us, but I follow the words of Jesus. And if that is the case, I hope you then immediately recognized the quote. From Isaiah. When Jesus began his ministry, he was first baptized. Then he went from baptism into the wilderness and was tempted. And then, as he came out of the wilderness, his very first trip on this new earthly ministry, this mission of his, his very first trip was home to Nazareth, where he visited the synagogue. He was handed a scroll, and he read from the scroll. And the passage Jesus chose to read. The passage he chose to begin his ministry with was this one that I just gave you from Isaiah. All right, so Jesus seemed to think that the oppressed were an important part of his ministry. So maybe Marx and Jesus were not as far apart as we thought. Here's the thing Jesus's statement really isn't in contradiction to what Marx initially had to say. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature. Marx and Jesus would strongly agree in the powerful and strong connection. Between religion and the oppressed. Now, let me be clear. My goal with this podcast today is not to show you that Marx and Jesus were of one mind. I'm I'm not even going to try to do that. Not interested in doing that. My goal is to draw your attention to something that I think is really useful. So here's my thought. My learning as I read this, every religion has at its core its reason for being. And that reason for being is pretty much always to help the adherents of that faith escape oppression. Okay, so if everyone agrees that faith is about escape from oppression, then why is there so much disharmony between various faiths, denominations, and religious groups? Well, because my premise is that every faith rebels against oppression. We just don't agree from one faith to the other, from one denomination to the other, what the oppression is. Look, I would argue that some anti-religion atheists have such an evangelical zeal for their belief system that they are practically a religion, and the oppression they see themselves battling against is the belief in God. Some conservative strains of faith, and I'm talking multiple faiths here—Judaism, Islam, Christianity—are fearful of the oppression they feel brought on by a changing world. They're fighting to save people from the oppression of change brought about by modernity. Historically, many Protestant churches see humanity as separated from God by our own sinful desires, and the role of the church is to help us escape the oppression created by our own sinfulness, our own brokenness the black church experience in the United States, has been very much about helping their community escape and break the oppression of bigotry and racism that exists in our culture. Buddhism believes that the human journey is typified by being stuck in the endless cycle of suffering in life, dying, and then being reincarnated to live through suffering again in the next life. The oppression they seek to escape is this Endless cycle of suffering, death, and then rebirth. So here's my blueprint towards better relations between different faiths and differing denominations. When you encounter someone who holds a belief system different than your own, and you see the choices they make or the things they say, and you want to dismiss them as wrong, ask yourself this question What is the oppression their faith seeks to remedy? Now, when I do this, and I don't always do this, but I wish I did, but I don't. But when I do this, two things happen for me. First, often the other person's behavior doesn't seem so strange and misplaced once I understand what is the oppression that they are railing against, that they are trying to stop. Now, as an aside, some people have faith systems that feel threatened and oppressed by the rights even the existence of other groups, women, blacks, Jews, Muslims, even Christians in some places, are seen as a threat to someone else's faith and are victims of oppression. Now, these are not viewpoints that I have much tolerance for, but it doesn't negate the power of attempting to listen and understand, often because in understanding someone else's intolerance, well, that understanding helps me shed light on my own areas of intolerance, of which I am unaware. Okay, second, when you attempt to listen and understand, you may just learn something because the world is filled with all sorts of oppression, all sorts of oppression that I'm absolutely sure God doesn't like. If we listen and learn, we can grow in our faith, grow in our understanding of God, and grow in our service of each other. Whether you prefer Marx who said religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, or the book of Psalms which says God upholds the cause of the oppressed, or Jesus when he read from Isaiah 61 and he said, reading from Isaiah, he has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed. Whatever your text. Our spiritual journey as people is clearly and inextricably tied to the oppressed of our world. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. And as always, I would love to hear from you. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.